Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Hey, um, as most of you know, there was an um, important decision rendered by the, um, or at least delivered by the Supreme Court of the United States on Friday uh, regarding Roe versus Wade overturning that, that decision, that landmark decision. And while. Thank you. Thank you. So while this is a national story that involves millions and millions of people, um, uh, it's also very personal for, for many people and for me. Uh, I, my own story, I was, uh, when my mom was a single mom, she already had two kids. She was broke, tending bar, uh, found out she was pregnant with me, and my, my dad um, suggested she have an abortion. Um, I'm grateful to my feisty little Italian uh, bartending mom that she did not have an abortion. She, uh, she brought me into this world. We grew up poor. I mean, poor by American standards. We were poor enough that we had our trailer repossessed at some point. So we were on the poor end of the spectrum, but uh, now I've been to poorer places, obviously. But grew up poor, but very much alive. And I'm grateful to my mom for that. But I did want to open our service with a, uh, a time of prayer. So, uh, Father, uh, while this is a time to rejoice that more unborn kids will be protected, it's also a time to recall that millions of children have died over these last 50 years. Many are still unprotected in states around the U.S. and around the world, uh, and we can't simply sit back and be happy. Um, this is a broken and sin-sick world, and those of us who follow Jesus, uh, for us, pro-life has to mean a lot more than just opposition to abortion. The love of Christ Father, let it compel us to care for moms who will bear these kids, to care for these kiddos who are brought into the world, many of whom will be brought into desperate situations without the support of fathers or families. Um, Father, we acknowledge that there are also many women who have undergone abortion and are reminded today of that. And uh, the, the way of the cross has never been and never will be barred to them. We pray they would come to a loving Father who embraces them and forgives sin. Father, I pray for us as a church to know how to respond, to respond with, with justice, with grace, with, um, with rigor for those um, who are, are left in, in really diff- difficult situations. But, Father, I thank you overall for being the God of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, friends. Well, I am um, going to start off with a weird question for you. What's the first insult you ever heard? That towards yourself, uh, maybe not one coming out of your mouth, but towards someone else, that somebody, the first insult you ever received from someone, maybe it was on a playground about your shoes or, you know, you couldn't throw straight or you um, missed a kickball, you know, you struck out in kickball, which would be horrible, right? But um, what was the first uh, insult you ever had directed at you? I'll just let you noodle on that for a second. Well, for me, I am... Um, I, what I recall, at least, it probably wasn't the first one, but I recall being called by my older brother's um, fat boy, porky pig, piggy, they called me. Now, it's weird because I, um, I recently found a picture from when I was like 14 or 15 years old, and I was looking at that picture, and I was surprised by the picture because, honestly, I was skinny. I wasn't surprised by the long black hair or the uh, big, big 80s glasses, but I was, I was skinny. I didn't have a shirt on, so it was old Polaroid here. And I'm like, dang, I wasn't fat. What the heck were they thinking? I, re- I wrestled 126 pounds in my junior year, so I wasn't fat. But their words were truer to me than what my own eyes 
saw every morning when I got up and looked in the mirror, when I took a shower, whenever I jumped on the scale at wrestling practice. My brother's words said I was fat, and that's what kind of stuck with me. I kind of grew up pudgy. I kind of grew up fat. I'm like, I actually didn't, but their words stuck to me like a rock in my shoe um, throughout my life. So just wondering what, what kind of words have been, you know, stuck in your soul? What kind of um, insults have been attached to you? What kind of words have you heard that have, have stuck to you? Now, words we're going to look at this morning have power. Negative words have power. Positive words have power. In fact, I have in my possession here a, something that I affectionately call my warm and fuzzy file. This is a physical file. You know, this is what a manila folder looks like for those of you who don't keep such things. But I put cards and notes um, in here from friends, and, you know, sometimes enemies, people who write nice stuff about me. I put them in here just to remind myself that, hey, someone out there likes me. They said something kind about me. I have a physical one, and I also have an electronic warm and fuzzy file that, you know, in my Google Mail down there, I just... I put a tilde on it, if you know that kind of skips stuff up to the top. You know, so you might not know what that does. That doesn't matter. But um, I I have a warm and fuzzy file that I put stuff in to remind me because words, words are powerful. Words are powerful. And if you've been with us for a few weeks, you know we've been looking at the book of Proverbs. Proverbs um, covers the range of, of human life and experience and tells us how to live a life of wisdom, how to live a successful uh, life as the Bible defines it. And as, you know, most people looking on in the world would define it. Most of Proverbs was written by a very, very successful man, Solomon, who was the king of Israel, who was considered the wisest man of his time and maybe one of the wisest people ever to live. People came from all over the world to hear about his wisdom. And here's one of the things he said about the power of words. Solomon said that the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and of death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, this is just solid, good advice. You're going to get two sermons for the price of one today. Um, And the first one is just simply going to be some, I think, some really good wisdom, sage advice on how to be successful in life and the use of your words. And the first one is to recognize that within your tongue, um, and not just your physical little muscle in your mouth tongue, but within the words that you produce is the power of life and death. When Solomon talks about, uh, he had no idea at that point that when he would talk about words, it could be referring to spoken words or written words or texted words or words on um, social media. But words in all their varieties have the power of life and have the power of death. Even words produced by simple people like us, not judges sitting on high or not uh, presidents who are ordering troops into battle, but, but human beings like you and I have the power of life and of death in our words. And he further goes on to talk about that understanding that, weighing that properly, uh, embracing that reality will help you to live a successful life. So um, first of all, knowing this, that our words, um, at least according to Solomon, what sorts of words are life-giving words? Now I asked you maybe your first insult in life, but, but Let's go on the positive side. What's the, what's the first um, nice thing, kind thing that, that may be stuck inside of you that you ever remember? Maybe it was a, a parent or a teacher or a coach. Um, I have 
you know, I, I set my warm fuzzy file. I'm a very insecure dude, so I have that in email. I have it in my uh, physical possession here. I also have a, um, I save voicemails from people. There was a, a friend here who I didn't think was a friend for the longest time. I thought the guy couldn't stand me, but he, re- he just left me a lovely voicemail. I kept that thing for 10 years. 10 years. So I moved offices and then was like, oh, it's gone. Bummer. But um, I would just go back and listen to it. One of my saved messages was on there. I was looking for it uh, for, for this. But um, just spoke words of life into me. Um, words uh, speak life. So just wondering for you, if you can recall in life some point that somebody said something to you, um, maybe already reflected on the negative, but something positive that has stuck with you. So let me give you some examples of life-giving words. Um, genuine joy expressed at someone else's success. Genuine joy expressed at someone else's success. You know, the Bible says to rejoice with those who rejoice and grieve or mourn with those who mourn. So often it's, it's easy in, in our hearts, someone else's success somehow translates to our loss. Ah, their kids are doing well. Crap, I was, sorry about that. But, you know, we take it as a negative. Somehow that it takes away from our, um, our success. Or, man, they're having a great vacation. I haven't had vacation. I, I take lazy, dumb vacations. They're, you know, but just to rejoice. Just, and to express that in our words. Speaking well of folks behind their backs. Speaking well, you know, it's the kind of inverse, it's the opposite of gossip. Gossiping uh, in a good way about someone. Have you ever been in the midst of conversation, somebody's gossiping about other people, saying bad things about someone, maybe it's you that's saying it, and someone else says something kind about them? I've always found that person to be honest and hardworking. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Suddenly the air is sucked out of the room and that person feels like, oh, shoot, I'm, uh, this is not safe ground to gossip. That's not a bad thing. So to speak good words, speak well of people behind their back. True words, even if they are, they kind of hurt. Twice this week, I was in email exchanges over something, uh, over two different situations, two difficult situations with, um, with folks that, that um, I'm friends with, dear friends with, and there were difficult things said to these people. Difficult things. Not easy, not like, hey, you're a great guy. I love you. Everything about you is wonderful all day long, every day. You're the best. No, they were difficult things. Like this situation, you were incorrect, unkind, unloving, and you need to do something about it. And the person was like, you're right. That's, those are life-giving words, even if they're hard. So your words can give life. Apologies, apologies. The kindest people I know apologize all the time. It's nuts. They're the kindest people, most godly people I know, but they tell me they're sorry about things. I'm like, I didn't even know you. They, they think they offended me. They're like, hey, Dave, I'm really sorry I said that. I'm like, I didn't notice. It went right over my head, right through these thick ears. I, I missed it. But they spend time apologizing. Apologies are words of life, especially if, they, um, if you have wronged someone. Giving thanks. I received a card this week from someone. We went to their, um, their kid's wedding. They wrote us a thank you note. And, you know, you can write thanks. Just dash them off. You write the same thing for everyone. Or you, you give thanks to someone. But this one was specific it was thoughtful. It was like, hey, thank you for this. Thank you for that. And thank you for this. And Kay, my wife, thank you for this. Thank you for that. And thank you for this. They were specific. So thanks are, are words of life. They give life. They stick in your soul and uh, make you, you just feel more alive. Public praise. As a, as a pastor, we... Um, I get to do funerals. I don't know if I, I, I do funerals sometimes. And too frequently I hear people say, you know, I never had a chance to say this 
to so-and-so. And now that they're, um, they're gone, I want to say it to you publicly. You have the chance. You have the chance to publicly or privately say things to people. Um, you don't have to wait until, you know, it's not embarrassing to tell people kind things about them. So at the heart of words of thanksgiving is, is love. That the heart of life-giving words is, is love. It's security. It's dignity in who you already are so you have the ability to give away to others. But words can also bring about death, right? Words um, can, can be, uh, produce death in other people's lives. Um, words of, like one thing I unfortunately recall is when I was home from college one time, I was with my, my mom, my little brother, I grew up, um, and I, every summer I was gone, either for military training or for a job or something, uh, missions trips. I was, I was out and about. I was gone. And this one summer I decided to go home. I was home, and it wasn't going great. Uh, my little brother and I were fighting like we were, you know, 9 and 10 again. And um, my hometown is it's a depressing kind of place to be. And I just popped off after yelling at my brother, I hate this place. I just hate this place. And... Um, those words stuck in my mom's soul, my dear mom. And if you're a parent, you know, you work to produce to, to a, a venue where your kids will feel loved, feel accepted, feel, you know, at home. And I said carelessly, I hate this place. And I kind of meant it because I, I hated what came out of me when I was there. My hometown is a really depressing place. I just, but it hurt my mom's heart and she just cried. She just cried. And I could not unring that bell. I couldn't put the toothpaste back in the tube uh, I just hurt her with my words. So words can be, uh, they can cause death. Um, other types of death words, sarcasm. Sarcasm is like our, our palate these days, right? American, oh, you're really clever because you can cut people with your words. You can, um, you can either online or in person, you just make a joke at someone's expense. Here's one of the, 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 the Proverbs is very colorful in its use of language. A, a proverb from Proverbs 26 and I think this kind of gets at joking. It says, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. Envision a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death. You know, they're just randomly firing off arrows into the crowd. And then, I was just joking. It didn't mean to hurt anybody. It's like they do. Those words bring about death. Death in the form of a flaming arrow, which is no good way to die. Um, Slander, gossip. I remember working in a movie theater when I was a kid. I was about 16, 17 years old. I was a doorman, so I picked up trash. And, you know, it was a pretty good gig, actually, you know, for a kid because you got to let people in for free. You got all the popcorn you could eat. The concession girls were cute. It was, you know, all kinds of free movies. There was lots of good stuff about this. However, the people at the concession counters, they... um, they would just, they rotated. There were 12 different girls who worked at the concession counter and then uh, three or four of us doormen who would rotate in. And they would just constantly, every time, just people talking about one another. And whoever wasn't there was getting talked about. You know, whichever doorman wasn't there, whichever, you know, ladies at the concession, whoever wasn't there was getting talked about. They were getting gossiped about. They don't work hard enough. They don't show up on time. They leave the thing sticky, blah, 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 blah. You know, and at one time, couple of young ladies, they said, hey, Dave, you never seem to, to complain about anybody. And I wasn't, you know, great in my use of words. I just, I was like, you know what, guys, when you're not here, you're all talked about by the people who are here. And I imagine when I'm not here, you're talking about me. So I'm not 
jumping into this mud, you know, because it gets us all messy. Oh, no, 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 we never say anything bad about you. I'm like, well, uh, you should. I mean, I do stupid stuff all the time, you know. But, um, but gossip, slander, it, they're just words of death. Even if people don't hear about them, they, they come from, you know, bad places and go to bad places. Um, insults, obviously, they, they hurt people. They hurt people deeply. And they, they go to the heart and they make people they, they create death inside of people, complaining, jealousy, anger, slander. You know, if you were following the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case, somebody said that these words that Amber Heard had written in the newspaper were that weighty that it would cost her $10 million for a couple of lines that she had written in, the, I think it was the Washington Post. So words can cause life, can cause death, uh, and those who eat its fruit will be, those who eat its fruit will be, oh, sorry, I missed my own. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love the fruit of the tongue, will, um, th- they, will eat their, they will eat its fruit. So what does that mean? Well, I think, one, it's to rightly understand the importance of word, and secondly, to rightly understand your role. There are, um, your words, depending on who you are, carry more or less weight. A person who... Um, you know, if I'm insulted in the, the checkout line at Giant or at the car wash or the guy at the, you know, muffler station, you know, says he doesn't like, like me for whatever, says I'm a little overweight, I don't really care that much. If somebody close to me, um, somebody deeply in my life says something to me that is, um, that their, their role gives, them, gives their words more force. I was, um, and we need to just practicing wisdom here, we need to be especially careful with those who are close to us, especially little people, kids. Um, I was with a friend who told me she had, uh, she had gone home for Thanksgiving as like a 20-something. She was 23, 24 years old, went home for Thanksgiving. So they were watching the Detroit Lions lose, um, which they always do, you know. So here they are. So they're watching TV. Dad's watching. She's with him. Dad gets up to go either get some food or go to the bathroom or something. Was gone for several minutes. So she turned the channel, maybe over to watch the Cowboys lose. I don't know. But um, so she, she turned the channel. Her dad came back and just flew off in a tirade. Who turned the channel? Blah, 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 blah. Who would blah, blah, blah. And she was like, what on earth? She's like, look, Dad, click. Turns right back. It's like magic. All you have to do is hit one button, you know, and it goes right back to the same thing. What's the big deal? And she said, you know, I realized something, though. I realized that for years, for years as a little person, as a kid, I had heard my dad's words. I had heard his criticism. I had internalized it and just thought, I am an idiot. I am a failure. Failure. I'm a disobedient little brat. Why would I ever do that? Not realizing with my adult brain, now that I could look and say, dad's a fool. Dad's acting like a total fool. There's no reason to make such a big deal over such a small thing. And so your words can give life. They can give death, especially, especially whenever you have a platform or a role in people's lives of of importance. So that's basically sermon number one. That's really good advice. Be careful. Be careful with how you use your words because you can give life, you can give death, especially to those close to you, those near to you, those dear to you. So be very, very careful in how you use your words. But 
It's not just enough. You know, you can get good advice anywhere. You can go to Dr. Phil and get relatively good advice, maybe some bad advice. But you can, you can get good advice from a lot, of different pe- a lot of different places, a lot of different people. That's not the gospel. Um, good, the gospel is good news. And it first starts off, however, telling us, Proverbs will tell us why our words are so important. Why? Are our words so impactful? Why can the words that you speak and I speak, why do they produce such deep and deep hurts or deep uh, wells of life in people's? Well, simply because they reveal our heart. Words aren't just sounds that you make or sounds that I make, you know, as your vocal cords flap as air passes over it and your, your little tongue makes some things. It's like, how could that be hurtful to anybody? Sticks and stones will break my bones. Words will never. No, words will damage and destroy. Words on a screen, an LCD screen, LED screen, social media, tweeted words, they can hurt. They can destroy because they come from the heart of one person and they're directed very much at the heart of another person. Uh, Proverbs ten eleven it says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. So the tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. You see the contrast that Solomon is making here with the mouth of a righteous person. They are of life, silver, nourishment. The fool, the wicked, violence, little value, death. Your words come from your heart. They're just not expressed they're, they're just not sounds that bounce off of some, you know, they're just not sound waves that are produced or, or letters or ink on page. They come from the heart. So they carry weight because where they come from and from whom they come perhaps. It's, it's not simply about the action of making noise or making sound, but it's about the identity that they reveal. It's about what's coming from the heart. Recently I got a, um, a text from my wife that said, Blank is overflowing. Now, depending on what is overflowing, that's either very good news or very bad news, right? It's, now, if she said, if I filled in the blank and it's, our bank account is overflowing, you know, um, our garden out here is just overflowing. Our pea plants are overflowing. Our, um, you know, they're Anything, insert something positive here, is overflowing. However, unfortunately, the rest of the text was help. So it was our toilet is overflowing. The guest bathroom is flooded. Uh, We got towels around here. Help. That's bad news. Why? Because what overflows is reflective of what's, what's inside, right? So Jesus, moving on to another passage here, Jesus says, to, um, to some folks who were surrounding him, he said, you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Or, and the older version said, that out of the abundance or the overflow, my toilet analogy, out of the overflow of the mouth, or of the heart, that the mouth speaks. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned." Now that passage <clears throat> doesn't make a ton of sense if you don't understand that words are not simply um, just, just noises that are made or things that you peck out on a page. 
your words reflect your heart. Your words reflect what's going on inside of you. I would say even your thought life, your thoughts reflect what's going on in your heart. And so Jesus could say you can be acquitted or justified. You could, you, you could be declared innocent or condemned by your words because they so closely, so accurately uh, uh, reflect what's going on inside of you. And just briefly, one other passage I wanted to, to, to highlight where this is unpacked in the New Testament is uh, James says we all stumble. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone, here's how, here's how important your words are. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. If you could speak perfectly, it would indicate that you are perfect. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. If you can keep your tongue in check, the rest of it's a piece of cake. But no human being can tame the tongue. I thought we were talking about good news here. This sounds like pretty bad news. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our God and Father. um, And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth... Come praise, come cursing. My brothers, my sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water come flowing from the same spring? And it's a rhetorical question. No, they can't. They just should not. <clears throat> See, the tongue, the, the mouth, the words that we maybe type, um, that we post, whatever, they reflect our heart. And so you can determine what's going on in the heart by what, what is said. The, ter- the words that we, uh, that we use and the first part, we looked at them, they're kind of like a tool. If you learn to use your words well, you will succeed. Make you a great salesman, a great pitch person, whatever. If you learn to use words, maybe you'd be a speechwriter for the president, that would be awesome if you learn to use. But that's just good advice. That's just good advice. The good, whenever we get to, the, to what the heart produces in terms of words, what the Bible looks at is that our words reflect our hearts like a, not just a tool like a wrench, but more like a scan tool. More like if you go over to, to uh, AutoZone or, or Napa and you say, hey, something's wrong with my car. It's making a weird noise. Can you tell me what's going on inside? And they're like, oh, this O2 sensor is bad or it's throwing this code or that code. Your words reflect what's going on. The sounds that you make reflect what's going on in your heart. I had the, um, <clears throat> I'm a very curious guy. So when I hear sounds, I always have to investigate. Um, Kay and I were living pretty close. We're over on East Caracas Avenue about 30 years ago, we were newlyweds, and um, I, I heard this noise above our bedroom in, in the attic. We were renting a little townhouse over there, and I'm like, huh, wonder what that is. So I jump up on the bed to investigate. So I put my ear as close as I can get. Not a big guy, as you know, but um, I got as close as I could, and I'm like, there's some scratching thing going on there. So I'm like, what is going on? So I put my hand up against the, the, the drywall or what was left of the drywall, I found out, and my finger popped right through the drywall paper, just ripped it open, and suddenly all these bees started pouring into our bedroom. Um, and man, Kay ran for the hills. I ran for the duct tape. Um, and... <laughs> You know, and the phone to call the landlord because, hey, I was just a renter and that was a nice time to be a renter. Like, dude, you got a problem. And, um, but there were bees pouring all out of there. The sound, the sound was an indicator that something was going on. And so the sounds that we make, the words that we speak, even the words we type and the thoughts we think, they reveal what's going on in our hearts. Now, that might feel sad and depressing to you, but wouldn't you rather know what's going on in your heart? Wouldn't you rather know if, if you had a cardiologist who was going to do a stress test on you, okay, and they're like, 
but no matter what I find, I'm going to give you good news. No matter what I find, I'm just going to give you good news. You can't trust them. You know, what's the point? What's the, what's the point? Your words wonderfully, joyfully, quite accurately reflect what's going on in your heart. And that's good news. That's good news if you're a follower of Jesus because then you can address the problem. I had a, um, a friend from New Zealand, a Kiwi buddy, Mike, he always used to say, hey, Dave, reality is our friend. Reality is our friend. And I think the gospel tells us reality is our friend. So your words, whenever you hear things coming out of your mouth like, I hate this place, and you hurt your mom, or you're like, you, you're, you're, you're insulting someone, or you're saying something, you know, you're, you're thinking thoughts about somebody, it's revealing what's going on in your heart. And that's, a, that's a, it's an unfortunate, but it's a good place to be because then, then you can look for grace. Then you can come to God and say, I messed up. I have a problem. And if you're, if you're not yet a follower of Christ, then I would say it, it reveals your, your need for a new heart. If words come from the heart and the words that are coming out of our heart are bad words on a cons- consistent basis are insulting or hurtful words, not loving for other people, then it indicates we need a new heart. That's the exact promise of the gospel. That's the exact promise. I will give you the, the, the book of Ezekiel. God says, I will give you a new heart. I'll replace your heart of stone with a heart of flesh and blood. I will put my spirit in you. The, oh, the recurring theme of the gospel is that he would come, he would make his dwelling in us, and that we would become new people. So there's good news there. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're like, yeah, but I still mess up. I still insult people. James, he's talking to brothers and sisters. He says, brothers and sisters, we shouldn't do this. He recognizes that we're not perfect. We're not perfect. We need grace. We need grace. We need to come back to repent of the things we've done, to say we're sorry for the things we've done, the things we've said, and receive grace. So we're not in a bad position. When your words reveal that your heart is hurting other people, that the words coming out of you are hurting other people, you have the opportunity to turn and to receive forgiveness. And likewise, the words that have been spoken to you that have hurt you, the words that have been spoken to you that have stuck into you, like I talked about, like a rock in your shoe or like a, like a little metal filing stuck under your, your, the palm of your hand and you catch on things sometimes, say, dang, that hurts. Words, insults, things that, you know, uh, you'll never do this, you can't do that, you're the dumb one, you're the short one, oh, you're not very this. You're, you know, those the gospel also addresses because Jesus has said, hey, I love you. You are absolutely loved. If you wonder how much I love you, I get the God of the universe, the one who holds this entire crazy mess together by the power of his word, has given his life for you. Has said, I want to come. I want to make my dwelling in you. I want to become, I want you as my child to become more and more like me over the course of time as you submit to my spirit. So there's good news for both the, um, there's good news for both those who, have, who are herders and those who have been hurt, which is all of us, right? So we're going to enter into a time of communion. And I can't think of any better um, way of, of celebrating our need for a Savior, our need for a new and renewed heart. So I'm going to give you a couple of things to reflect on. Um, as you get up, uh, the communion elements are here. I'll give you um, a second. I'll, I'll give you instructions in a second. But as you get up and you go for, for those elements, I want you to think about these couple of things. Um, I want you to think about those words that we talked about, maybe words that have gone and hurt your heart and are stuck in your soul. As you're going, as you're picking up, as you're receiving these elements, I want you to receive the grace of Jesus that he doesn't look at you like that.
If you've been the person who's been the purveyor of those words, if you've hurt other people with your words, if things came to your mind, like, man, I said this to one of my kids, I said this to my parent, I said this to my buddy at work, I said this to someone, um, I want you to receive grace and forgiveness. I want you to recognize that we come to the cross, we come back to the cross in communion to recognize our ongoing need of grace. Um, so as you, as you, we're going to take the elements together um, after, after we do a song together. So, um, so just get up and find the closest uh, station to you and go and get those elements. I'll come back up and give you further instructions in a little bit. So what is communion? What is communion? Well, in communion as followers of Jesus, we identify with the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. We say publicly, we say corporately with one voice that we are the people of a new heart. That we can have different words, we can have different, um, because we have a different heart. We can speak words of life because there's a living God inside of us. You have been given grace, if you're a follower of Jesus, to speak words of life and to believe words of life and grace because God has spoken them over you that you are loved, you are deeply loved, you are cherished. You are a child of God. Secondly, secondly, communion is a chance to acknowledge that we need ongoing grace. We don't graduate from our need for forgiveness. We don't graduate from our need for the gospel and move on to something else. We need the sanctifying work of God. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the, the, the finished work of Christ applied to our daily lives over and over uh, for, to, to confess our sins. I'm going to read a passage for you while you open these little elements here. Um, and we're going to receive these together. This is what the Apostle Paul re- reports of what he received. He says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed. Let me just reflect. So Jesus was betrayed by Judas, of course. We know that. Judas Iscariot went and betrayed Jesus. He was also betrayed by all of his disciples that, who abandoned him. He was betrayed by Peter, who denied him three times. But Peter returned to Jesus for grace. Judas did not. We come back to Jesus. We come to him for grace. So Jesus, he took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take, let's eat, let's drink together. Father, we're reminded of of words that have, reckless words that have pierced our souls like swords. We're reminded of reckless words that we've spoken against others that have been like flaming arrows by a maniac that have hurt, that have injured. But we're reminded even more so of the, of the grace we can receive from you as followers of Jesus, as those who, who know we're not perfect, who know that we sin in many ways, but who receive grace because of your finished work on the cross. And we thank you for that. Make us a people of uh, new language, a people who speak life that comes out of the uh, living, breathing hearts that have been made new by the power of the gospel. Thank you, Father, for, for your promise of a new heart and for fulfilling that promise with the pouring out of your spirit from now to the end of this age in Christ's name. Amen. Well, friends, as you go, I want to remind you of a couple things. Um, if you would like... 
uh, to pray with someone, we'll have prayer counselors up front uh, that you can come up, talk with, and just a prayer team to, to pray anything that's on your heart. And secondly, we have um, folks at the door, our, our ushers receive our uh, Compassion Ministries offering. It's a fantastic ministry that we have, a food bank, clothing bank, financial assistance for those in need in our community, uh, both here at the church and our community at large here in Hershey and the surrounding areas. Please give generously to that. It's one of the best things we, we do. So the offering we receive as you exit the doors will be go 100% to our Compassion Ministries offering. So thanks, friends. Thanks for being with us today. Now go and speak words of life because your heart has been made new.